hand into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Yes, welcome my friends for journeying down the steps to the spoiler room. We are back once again and I have two gentlemen who had it's been a while since they've been in the spoiler room I and they're here tonight to talk about uh, an interesting film called uh, City Limits from 1984 and uh, you know sometimes I, I come up with these things and I don't know why and what I'm getting myself into it and you're gonna find out tonight I think about this film and why I may regret doing the whole linked titles thing. We started off with Zombie Nightmare, last week was Nightmare City, and now it's City Limits. And tonight to talk about this film, I have back in the spoiler room, it is none other than the BFD himself, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Uh, uh, hello to you, sir. And to you as well, Doc. You, you, you have been missed, sir. It's so glad to have you back here in the spoiler room with us tonight. Uh, to talk about this film and yes as glenn alluded to uh, the man who is from points unknown at no i'm not going to give his name <laughs> but he does have the chair and he is sitting in it tonight to talk with us about this film and it is doctavius uh, steven hello doc how are you I'm okay. Instinctively, when you said gentleman, I wanted to say who walked in, but <laughs> but um, I've just watched Stooges too much over the years, apparently. Yeah, so all is well. I know. I used to be Mo, but I think I more resemble Curly these days. <laughs> I think we I think we all resemble Curly now. Hey now. Uh, okay, not Glenn. Glenn. I is... mean, from the from the neck down, yeah. <laughs> Mark's just got to regrow that fine head of hair he posted the other day. Right, yeah, my fine head of hair. Yeah, about as fine as my beard I tried to grow for two months, and I still look like, you know, I got attacked by a coconut and a coconut one. Uh, I thought I, that was just chocolate milk you didn't wipe off in your face. <laughs> Looked like it did it. Just, just wash your face, mate. <laughs> oh, wait. And, and, and just for that, Doc, you get to do the synopsis of City Limits from 1984. Oh, I earned that then. Okay. Yes, you did. Um, a, a plague way washes over at least the United States, probably the entire world. Not that we have that kind of scope. Um, but it, it kills off a number of people, basically resetting civilization to some degree um it's 15 years from now according <laughs> to the beginning based on the release of this movie that would have been about 1999 or so which is an interesting way to spend y2k um yeah. but uh, we follow very somewhat loosely the adventures of lee mostly in flashback as he goes to the city 
after having grown up uh, under the protection of uh, Mufasa <laughs> and uh, goes to join one of the gangs in town, it's not particularly clear why he would want to join one gang over the other, but he does. <laughs> uh, and they're reasonably peaceful gangs at this point, even though there's some shenanigans going on because indeed the evil in the city is not the gangs they have come to peace it's the big business federal government coming back into town that's the real villain brother corporate evil what exactly and they break the peace and uh, eventually uh, we get out of the flashback that is the first two acts of the movie and the 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 Young kids all kind of gather together again and band together to fight off corporate America and bring peace back to the city. Um, I can only imagine this is the same city that at one point the tick protects because of the way it's named. <laughs> I, I, the city. My, this, the city. Exactly. <laughs> they, they never really named the city. No, it's just the no. city. It's even when well, I also have too. It's like the big evil corporation whose big evil plan is to restore public services. Right. <laughs> they need a work. It's 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 the workforce that they demand, and it's like yes. to, to do what? Well, we're going to bring the put the lights back on in the city. Okay. No, we can't have that. No. <laughs> well, it's the means to. It's 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 the dastardly means that they try to go to that makes well, yes. it evil, not See, their goals. We, we, we need to put lights in. What's the best way to do this? Oh, we could just tell people, Hey, we're going to put some lights and you want to help. Nah. How about we just, you know, let's strong arm them as much as possible. Yeah. Let, let's shoot up one of the gangs until they give up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, Which I, I, I'm sure was not really a subtle reference at that point in 1984 either. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we are talking the eighties. So big business and corporations were evil. Were I mean, past well, tense. You confuse me, sir. I know. I apologize. They still are, but I mean, especially. Oh, no, they've, they're all they're all good now. <laughs> but I mean, it was the common theme back in. Back oh in, yes. in, yeah. you, you know, in the sci-fi era, the corporation being evil was like the main component, the main villain of many yeah. a sci-fi in the eighties. Yes, it still is now in real yeah. life, which means that sci-fi was very prophetic. But. Uh, <laughs> It, you know, it did it, make this feel like a very, you know, of the time still, yeah. even though it's technically well, yeah, 18 years ago. And, uh, you know, it, I, I think that big change in the 80s was the fact that there, a couple of people were finally starting to come to realization. It's like, well, I guess we can't blame black people for everything. <laughs> so well, let's let's look at, I guess, corporations. Yes, we will look at we will look at the corporations. And in this one, they are evil, evil. Yes, uh, and, and apparently I picked up that the plague killed most of the adults. It seems what it is. I I mean they they mention it in there, but of course they haven't put too much thought in the backstory. Just enough lines for for justifying why everybody here is baby faced. Well, um, not everybody. But yeah. Well, not everybody. Okay, you it, do. There is a oh. there is a certain level of. It, I think they. I, I want to say that they hinted at some point that the young were able to fight it off easier. Yeah, I. I and I it think gets. So. Yeah, it's yeah. no more complicated than that. But you, you're most, right. There is still evil Ed Bagley Jr. So, 
Um, most, yeah, most of the bad guys seem to be more like they're, for lack of a better term, our age. <laughs> <laughs> Apart yeah. from Mufasa. <laughs> and, and well, yeah, even at that point, he would have been about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and most of the, you know, the kids are probably supposed to be about 18 or 19 as they push 30. <laughs> Which again oh, is. Come on. John Stockwell was so 14 when he made this movie. <laughs> I, I think the writer, director, producer, I think they were probably about that age when they wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't say that to be mean. This is, this is like they read a couple of Judge Dredd comics and came up with something. Yeah, it it was. It was it felt like kind of like this was a kid's fantasy, like a bunch yeah. of your buddies are sitting in the backyard with your your plastic shields and and bikes and you're like, "Hey, we're going to take on evil corporations." Those were all BMX bikes until they turned like 17. <laughs> and then they actually got, you know, motorcycle licenses probably. Yeah. That yeah. would have been cool though if they were on Oh wait, isn't that no, wait, that might be BMX bandits. I'm thinking of it's BMX bandits, I think. But they're they're on they're on motorbikes here, yes. well, you know. And and Lee, yeah, they never really give the motivation of why he wants to go into town and join such a badass gang as the Clippers. Because here you have the Clippers versus the, the DAs. <laughs> So I based on the fact that the what was Ray I think was the leader of the DAs. He was dressed. Uh, he almost looked like he was with um. Oh heck, what was the name of that band? Ah, uh, he was one of the guys that played with Nick Cave for a while. I can't think of his name, but he he looks at least he's wearing kind of a suit, so you could pretend he's a district attorney. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, what strikes fear in the heart of people is. Small racing boats and district attorneys. Yes, like, I suppose. I suppose to a lot of people it would because that would signify rich people, which for anyone who isn't rich, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Well, why not? They they tried to play. It, it almost felt like, but it's really poorly written. <laughs> a, a poor attempt at them trying to give kind of a distinction between the DAs and the Clippers, as the Clippers all looked like uh, they stole clothing from Randy Macho Man Savage <laughs> uh, and pieced together their own clothing from Randy Macho Man Savage's toss-off wardrobe. And then you have the DAs who all kind of were more dressed like, you know, uh, they they had a few in doctors. Uh, sociopathic wrote. mimes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the guy in the doctor suit with the I I gave blood on the back. Yeah, the, you know, yeah, the Clippers all kind of have those dusters where they almost look like it's like out of Tombstone or something like that, but like the, redesigned the, for the eighties and in pastel colors. Well, the the Clippers kind of remind me of the uh, for, as coming from the eighties of the I'm a nerdy guy who doesn't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna get a duster, so that'll make me look cool, right? Yes. Well, well, you had the new wave look yeah back then and that's what this the clippers were they were like uh, kind of wannabes not, not in the, like wannabes. If, if adam ant were a nerd yes it's 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 like the more mainstream version of not the or me the, if adam ant were me this is fair enough 
the non-stereotypical new wave look where it was probably closer to something that people actually wore as opposed to the things that you see in music videos and in retrospectives on vh1 is like hi remember the early 80s this was it it's the same four pictures every time Yeah, just about. So, yeah, you had the Clippers and you had the DAs who tried to dress differently, a little less wild, like they were wannabe grown-ups almost. And then you have the the grown-up, the corporation, Sonia? Sonia? Sonia, who, uh, you know, oh, no, they're not dressed like, you know, uh, soldiers at all. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're dressed dressed like every minion from a Bond movie. Yeah, they were. Pretty much. The only thing missing was that their headquarters wasn't a hollowed out volcano. No. It was was a warehouse that we found that we have access to for the next two days. Shoot fast. Which which is the most ridiculous opening to this flashback we get because after Lee, who randomly goes and hooks up with just random woman on the dirt road. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, we, we get introduced to Lee and he's driving, and he helps this woman pull her cart with uh, his motorbike because the big horse that she has was not able to for whatever reason. Well, the bike had an extra half a horsepower, probably. And, than the well, horse. yeah, probably. If he's lucky. If, he, if he's lucky. But then what got me with this is this is supposed to be like in the future plague, you know, post-apocalyptic type thing. I'm guessing water isn't exactly in abundance, but Glenn, where do they take a swim? In the water tower. In the wa- well, but, where else? Where else would you do it? But it's your drinking water. Yeah, yeah, and your skin flakes off, and it's extra po- protein, which they probably need too. <laughs> I mean, the one guy's trying to pass off cat food as food, so obviously food's scarce too. So it's- get your proteins where you can. There's a lot of scavenging. Yeah. There is a lot of skin, but I just got a kick out of <laughs> I got a kick out of one that apparently, you know, they just hit it off and hit it off in the water barrel. I'm like, isn't water kind of in short supply? Do, do you really want to be going and doing I mean, she's like the only person there, it seems. So, yeah, that's I mean, true. That's, that's a lot of water for one person. They never it, really say whether the plague did anything to damage the water supply and that was an open top. So presumably it's collecting rainwater. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But it's all the, it's all the manufacturing that we'd be used to. So it's, it's that same, you know, walking dead type, you know, gimmick where, okay, civilization just stops and we pick off its remains until it all disintegrates type gimmick. Yeah. But well, and you know that, and that John Stockwell is a pretty handsome guy in that uh, kind of, I'm not the popular guy in school, but, I make jokes so they don't beat me up kind of way. That doesn't that doesn't feel familiar at all. <laughs> I love I love how going we're back at, to high school. I love how we're analyzing the water tower here. This is awesome. Uh, this is I mean, this is the lead of the whole movie right I here. I think we've talked about the water tower more than it was on screen. Yeah. <laughs> sounds well, about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, I love, you know, how they they edit that, and I just was like, okay, this is completely random. So then he drives off to... Uh, it, it was probably some moment that when they were making the film, the distributor said, I need some nudity within the next first five minutes, or it's not going to get sold. And they said, all right, here's a couple of butts. And they went, that'll do it. Yeah, because there's no other 
well, there is one other. New there is one other moment. On, yeah, which there is. Which and I was I, surprised by that at that point, to be honest. Considering where she was in her career, yeah, but uh, we'll get to in her, general. In general, uh, but yeah. So Your we had, yeah, we have Lee who makes Anthony Michael Hall from the Breakfast Club look cool. Um, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, you don't think so. He, he he looks like his uh slightly less geeky older cousin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But Anthony love- Michael Hall still wins the Geek Fest here. No offense to him. He's <laughs> well, probably Anthony Michael Hall somewhere between Breakfast Club and when he did uh, uh, the uh, oh, the Dead Zone series. Yeah, there you go. Somewhere yeah. between there. Anthony Michael Hall's stand-in, certainly. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's what he's looking at. And he drives into town. And there's, the corporation's supposed to be kind of the bad guys here, but... He just drives into their compound. <laughs> and yeah. everybody's staring at him for a minute, like, who are you? And then we kind of get the bad guys to surround him. Hey, what are you doing? And he goes on yep. his chase, the, the chase in quotes, and uh, Doc, this this BMX chase and, and how he was received when he just drove into the evil compound. I mean, this... It really is feeling like a kid wrote. <laughs> there is a simplicity to the story here, certainly. Yes, that I noticed more than once. Yes, and I don't. I'm, I I know it sounds like we're when we say this, I'm being mean about it. I'm really not. <laughs> it's just I'm like, okay, cool, and then this <laughs> happens, and I go, okay, cool, that was fun. All right, let's this next thing. All right, and I just tried not to worry about it too much because it just played out all right <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He, just, he drives in and they go step away from the vehicle and he goes i'd rather not and drives back out again before <laughs> they can close it well he does he does scare them off by doing a donut with his well um, it was a donut in mud so they didn't want to get their minion suits dirty that's true yeah those <laughs> things are expensive to clean and it comes out of their and pay. you only get one right it comes out of your pay it does, yeah, that's true. It does come out of your page. It's in the minion handbook, sir. Yeah, I I didn't <laughs> read the handbook yet. I missed orientation day. I'm well, sorry. There you go. There you go. Great. Now I'm regulated to not wearing the bright yellow suits. Damn it. I like those. They're very stylish. <laughs> he gets chased by the DAs, and one of them in a wonderful move of I, I don't know. This was such a slick move of him suddenly driving away from this shack that this guy runs into. But we find out he dies. The guy yeah. who runs into the shack died. No other movie, people who drive through shacks like that in motorcycles die. The balsa wood, clearly he was allergic to. <laughs> and that must have killed him immediately. Because I went, oh, that was a neat that was a neat little action moment. And then they're like, he was dead. And I'm like, no, he's not. Oh, <laughs> you're you're serious about that? I, okay. I didn't quite believe it. Did you, Glenn? When you get that part, and he meets up with the the Clippers, and they're all upset. Oh yeah, he killed. I mean, first, first, it's like oh my, it's like the. I mean, Lee is like a third the size of the shed. Yeah. And also, the guy's like, oh my god, surprise shed. It's like what? <laughs> How, I totally expected to crash I, into him and drive him well, through. It. It's like you were gonna just ram into it full speed from the side that seems like a bad idea not sure how that was going to protect him from the shed 
Well, even because they would have both gone through the shed. Even if you take the shed out of it, it's like what were you? You were just gonna plow them side on and, and then just go flying yourself, probably. Well, <laughs> again, motorcycle said he was the smartest of the DAs. No, no, that would that would have been uh, the one that was played by Jason. Yes, oh, his name yeah. was Dirty Bob. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> the guy who died. Yes, was, yes, was, yeah, Dirty Bob. He killed Dirty Bob. <laughs> I did what? <laughs> that was hilarious. I'm, I'm like, old. I mean, to be fair, Dirty Bob killed himself. Yeah, more accurately. Um, yes. Relent relentless stupidity killed Dirty Bob. <laughs> that was hilarious, and that's where I think they were playing off. You know how kids rule the world, and they were able to survive the plague because we get the whole Dirty Bob thing, which instigates this big sudden rivalry that the the truce is broken between the DAs and Clippers and. First off, I felt like Lee when they said you killed Dirty Bob, and I'm like, what? And Lee's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, I think the Clippers and the DAs killed Dirty Bob because if they had restored public services like lights, he probably would have seen that shed. <laughs> they hadn't gotten to that point yet. We didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't even say we want to do that. So we're bringing you medicine, and I think yeah, yes. medicine and food or medicine, medicine and water. And, yeah, we don't we don't want that crap. Medicine. Oh, we just want insect man number 40, 47, eye for yeah. an eye. And that's where I was. There, going. there was a there was a faintly Lord of the Flies gimmick for like two yeah. seconds in a in about in that moment. I'm like, okay, just the way they're, you know, they have the rules and everything. I was waiting for a conch. I didn't get no conch. <laughs> yeah, for I got an insect man gotta, comic book instead of the conch. Yeah, it's, I, I, I think I think pretty much uh, you know the. And the somebody writer, was reading uh, it. The writer here, uh, was it Aaron Lipstadt, the director yeah. and writer? I think I think he spent an afternoon and he watched Lord of the Flies and uh, Mad Max, and then said, "Hey, James Earl Jones, you know that Darth Vader dude owes us a movie." So <laughs> that, that's, that's, he was friends that's with that's somebody. Something. Yeah, I mean, I want to know what bet James Earl Jones lost to get in this. Yes, Chris, we don't get him. We get him right in the kind of in the beginning completely covered in animal pelts and then yep. we don't get to see him for like two acts but no oh, he narrates all the in-between yeah, stuff yes yeah, occasionally he, he, he well because you have his voice of course you're going to have him narrate it was like i don't have yeah. a voice i don't have a voiceover part write one damn it we just got james Earl jones okay i'm writing one now <laughs> they haven't oh, invented cnn yet i need something else to do <laughs> but yeah you're right about the comic book they pulled out the comic book I, i'm sitting here watching this all of a sudden well, did you read this? An eye for an eye. I'm like, what are we going for? Okay, they're where an alien shows up. He doesn't know the rules. Yep. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, um, I mean, rules. I mean, generally, you know, it's not a. Yeah, he doesn't know that. You know, killing people with a shed is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident. It, it, well, it was an accident. You it can't. Was. You, you. It's like it's not like Lee like hit this guy while he was driving or something. It's he not just, like he picked up the shed and hit him with it's it. It's murdered by deception, Mark. Oh, yes. yes. Like, oh, his dishonesty in hiding that shed behind him. <laughs> and the guy tried to run him down. Yeah, and they do the eye for an eye thing, so they do what has got to be the lamest challenge with some plastic dinosaur <laughs> They had those little, like, spinny cutter teeth they were like meat tenderizer things yeah. on the end of sticks essentially yeah and he he it's, was supposed to duel their best person the the da's best person for for who would be the best and 
it ends up being a girl and he's like oh i can't do that i'm like way to be well he's like that's not fair and yeah like his buddy's like you're right it's not (laughs) and i almost took from that yeah she's better than you yeah yeah she go kick your butt especially seeing as we find out later that lee came to the city to join the gang and brought his worst motorcycle yeah (laughs) Yeah. you can't lead with your best motorcycle yeah it, what if you get robbed or something? You don't want to. You don't want to get robbed with your best motorcycle. You know, have to walk uh, all the way back and get another one. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we get that scene later after they escape uh, initially, and that's in the third act. But he's uh, revealing all of a sudden these badass motorcycles that he has. It's like, oh, those are nice. <laughs> yeah, that's where the hell did you get those, man? Uh, you know, but. I got a kick out of it. I it, the funny thing is, people saw it. Sounds like we're right. I I was actually enjoying this film as wafer thin as anything is in here. Yeah, I mean, um, I've I've seen this. Not counting the the times I watched it on MST3K, I've probably seen this five or six times. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen this before. <laughs> oh yeah, it, this was it was like HBO Showtime, you know, in the eighties. Sure, no doubt. Hot. So I just you know it was there, so I watched it. Yeah, I I don't remember ever seeing this film either, but um, and it totally wasn't because I had I had a thing for both Ray Dong Chong and Kim Cattrall. Not at all. No, well that wouldn't help any at, at, at all. No, that actually I was sitting there going, why hadn't I watched this film after I saw they were in there and and teenage Mark, you know, didn't know about this film. How exactly. dare I, you know, because <laughs> they were both in there. Yes, Kim Cattrall as as the the corporate, the, the <laughs> yes. scientist, yes, who, doctor or something. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying 13 year old me was smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I I totally agree with you on that. Uh, but we had the bad guy in here, who the DAs we found out are working with the corporation to get a workforce. Yes, uh, that was the evil thing. And even though they said they were giving them food and and medical supplies, it looked like they were just giving them a stack of Jolly Good Soda. That was old Milwaukee beer. Oh, that's right. That yeah. was old Milwaukee beer. Because that's how Whitey gets drunk. That's right. Accidentally, because they have old Milwaukee beer. I saw the can from a distance. I'm like, that's an old Milwaukee beer can. Oh, they're never going to show that close. Oh, there it is, prominently on screen. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, come on. Milwaukee's it beast. doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> Can't go wrong with the beast, apparently. You can't. It doesn't get any better than this. Yes. Uh, I, w- I wish one of them would have said that. When um, you say old Milwaukee, you said it all. <laughs> and scene. And scene. Yes. Yeah, well, because Whitey, who's the leader of the Clippers. No, no he was the second oh, no, he, to make it even at that point. That's yeah. right. He was second in command. But, I mean, he was a popular guy, and he gets drunk and drifts in, manages to climb drunk he manages to climb into the rafters of a warehouse i assume he has uh jackie chan drunken master skills at that point at least until he falls and almost breaks his back yeah Yeah. Uh, on the conveniently placed cardboard boxes well it's not so much that's a staple of movies though yeah and it's not so much that they're cardboard boxes because they are in a warehouse they're empty cardboard Cardboard boxes boxes. (laughs) (laughs) if they had been full that would have made a kind of more sense the way that they were stacked, but let's 
Not oh gosh, do you know how much I would love a movie where a guy falls into a stack of boxes and then just snaps because it's like full of like TVs or something? Yes. <laughs> yes. As, a, yes as opposed to the oh, just yeah, that, that totally cushioned my fall. What <laughs> happened to you? I broke my back on a PS4 box. Yeah. Yeah. God. This is supposed to give. Damn it. Oh. What's in that box? Ball bearings. <laughs> just boxes and boxes of ball bearings. Yeah. And, and they tax. explode out as soon as you land on them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you would have thought maybe they were full of old Milwaukee beer, which, you know, wouldn't cushion you too much. I don't think. Well, it might. I don't know. Uh, empties. Maybe yeah. empties. But empties. why put them back in the box so neatly? That's true. <laughs> it's 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 a post-apocalyptic world. What are they going to do? Recycle them? Yeah. You, you want to keep them around? Because you could build shit out of that. You know, that aluminum. You could build another shed. Yeah. <laughs> To replace the broken shed. Yeah. And Ooh. that shed would be stronger because it'd be made of metal. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but that's the turning point, though, because that's where Kim Cattrall realizes the bad guys she's with are actually bad guys. They has um, guns. Because they has guns, which have been, no, the gangs aren't going to use the guns. And so we get, uh, who is uh, the head of the, the DA's? Um, Frankie uh, Niedermeyer from wait, no. what? Yeah. <laughs> or Billy, who was the was it Ray? Wasn't it Ray? Ray. That's right, yeah, it was Ray. Ray. Yeah. Ray, who was head of the uh the DAs, he's like, No, we don't use guns, and that you know, uh bad guy pulls out the gun and, and shoots Whitey, and then we get this whole That was thing. rather abrupt, too. It was. It's you know, there's a lot of time where they've been, you know. A moment to build up to that and everything he pretty much goes we're going to do this he's like no we're not going to do this he goes yeah we are Poof. and i was yeah. like oh crap <laughs> the the film on the whole even though it, it's supposed to be apocalyptic and that has kind of been a little bit lighter up until that point, up that, until point that point that was actually a brutal moment <laughs> followed by another brutal moment because they do the funeral for whitey which they're doing some kind of viking thing where they're lighting him on fire on his motorbike and then the bad guy corporation shows up and mows these kids down with machine guns so they're still... basically in the in the terminator 2 reservoir and just get shot yeah, yeah. from a bridge yeah because that's where then we catch up with where they they manage to uh uh cross paths with Kim Cattrall's character who now is trying to have a change of heart and, and want to leave the corporation, which she has some great dialogue because she ends up becoming the love interest of Lee, which I was surprised at. Cause I thought maybe they were going to lead towards a uh, Yogi played by Ray Don Chong as being kind of the love interest and causing that conflict between Lee and the leader of the Clippers, but they don't actually take that route. They kind of do a build-up for the love interest with Kim Cattrall's with a uh, Dr. Uh, Wickings. Wickings. Wickings, yeah. And Lee. And, man, uh, Doc, did you think that they were maybe going to lead towards, you know, the, the girl breaks up the group or whatever with, with Lee possibly going for Yogi at first? I, to be honest, the Kim Cattrall thing threw me off. Cause she just kind of walks in there and then it's like on, it's kind of <laughs> like the, the water tower sequence where apparently yeah. at this, you know, at this point in human existence, you don't spend a lot of time 
getting to know people. You just yeah. kind of go with the flow in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I th- okay. Yeah, sure. It'll be her and everything. It's like, nope. And then she's just around for the rest of it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she doesn't really do much. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of that, but yeah, no, they didn't really design that character with a whole lot of things no. to do, but in the defense of that, a lot of these characters are just kind of pieces to move around and just have them dodge bullets after a certain point. So that's true. The, it's not the, just her. <laughs> no, no. The side characters actually do more shooting than the main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which I found interesting, but at least you got the Yogi character. The Yogi character is probably the strongest female character out of our main female characters, which are there two, uh, maybe three. Well, I mean, you get the side characters, but the Yogi that, that hangs out with Albert. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a the girl that hangs Frankie, out with I Albert. think. Yep. Albert, Frankie. Yeah. They Frankie. named her like halfway through one conversation i think and that's about it so i, I yeah. half remember that from the credits more than anything she, else she hangs out with albert who is uh james earl jones and they're working on something but you're not quite sure what because after they gather at lee's homestead where albert is waiting for them for some reason covered in animal pelts though he was inside his own house it's cold in there uh, apparently but he cause... doesn't wear it again no he doesn't you know and so the kids are holed up here and they kind of do an a-team thing where they decide yes we're gonna go back and, and take it to the corporation because they've kidnapped all our game buddies and that's where we discover the better motorcycles he's been holding out on yeah. and ba baracus builds them some armor for their motorcycle i mean <laughs> they build some armor for their motorcycles they, they yes. do the Albert Lee, I'm not your father. Um, <laughs> helps them out with all of his little toys. With the, yeah, because their farmstead has all this stuff, which is which is a cool farm and all. He had but... time to clean up the desert, you know. So anything that was left behind, he went and grabbed and brought back and fixed up. Apparently, he again. Yeah. It's been 10, 15 years. It's been fifteen years 15 from years. now. So. <laughs> <laughs> who knows when he got when the plague kind of burned itself out and you know so it's probably been a good 10 years of him just getting that thing all yeah. out. and the only white guy he has to deal with is lee so right think of, <laughs> think of all the stuff he can get done when he's not being harassed all the time that's yeah. right yeah <laughs> i like that moment where he's kind of fiddling with the one remote he goes you need something you know something effective do you need something he's like no <laughs> <laughs> Can I help you? No, I'm yeah, good. Well, well, because I'm good, sit, Dad. <laughs> sitting with Frankie and they're doing something, and we don't know what yeah. they're doing. I love how they try to keep this secret that Albert and Frankie are working on something. You know, we get the montage of you know Yogi and uh, doing helping with the armor, and they're they're building the armor for these motorbikes. Which I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, are those motorbikes made to hold that heavy of supposed plate on the front of their motorbike i was thinking that and how is that going to affect the turning radius of the motorcycle <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean you're going to be driving pretty much straight lines <laughs> with it they're really nimble on them earlier in the movie i'm like there goes your, all your nimbleness but okay you know yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of bullets involved so i get it a lot of bullets involved yes. mick's already been shot in the arm he doesn't want that to happen again 
yeah which i that whole sequence i'm like how how do you okay whatever <laughs> he's got a lot of layers of clothing on he, he does he and does. that duster was kind of thick is that wait he gets shot before he's wearing the masters of the he, universe yeah jacket, he gets right? he gets yeah before he wears the masters of the universe jacket that was boss okay <laughs> I was looking at that. I'm going, man, I know some dudes that would pay good money to have one of those. Dude, I, I saw that Masters of the Universe jacket. I'm like, I totally want one. I totally want that yeah. Masters of the Universe jacket, man. Oh, man. Yeah, some of the clothing they had in here, too. I'm like, dude, I want that. Never mind the... For whatever reason, Lee has, when we first got to see him, we never even mentioned it, that he had this dinosaur motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of unique helmets for the motorcycle riders that kind of fade away as the movie goes. <laughs> it's almost as if they've said, first, you'll be able to identify them by the helmet. And then, you know, once you get used to looking at the people, we'll just let you look at the people. <laughs> <laughs> we know you don't know any of these people otherwise. None of these are recognizable actors to you, unfortunately, but we're going to fix that. But but remember, they, they made specifically, what was that, in the credits featuring, was it Tony Plana? Or, or yeah, whatever? I yeah. I, I was trying to figure being a credit, but I don't remember what it was for exactly. I was trying to figure out what the big deal was, Glenn, for them saying, and a limited appearance by Tony Plana. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> well, Tony Plana has been, I mean, he's still active. He's yeah, been, he is. Yeah. I mean, he's done a, he did a ton of stuff before this. Right. So, That's I mean, most, most, mostly TV stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what I, what I remember seeing him in. Well, I think was, it was like, wasn't he like, was he in Future World or something? Or, he's I been mean, in, I mean, he's been a lot. Oh, stuff. yeah. He was, he was, he was uh, uh, Hill Street Blues. <laughs> Yeah, okay, uh, he sure. was a not a like regular, but I mean, he was he was on. He 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 did do a lot of TV acting. He was in an officer and a gentleman in Deep Space Nine. Oh, he was in T.J. Hooker. Yes, officer <laughs> and a gentleman, Three Amigos. Yeah, born in East L.A. Yeah, I like that movie. That's a good movie. That was all after, but yeah, he had showed up yeah. in TV. Oh, he was in probably the other movie that was big for him before then because he was in Valley Girl. Uh, he played a bit part, but he was in, yeah, I mean, Seal Street Blues, I think, was one of the bigger things, but I just love how they made a big deal out of it, you know, I mean, he got credited after James Earl Jones, even, I mean, it said, you know, in featuring James Earl Jones and a limited appearance by Tony Plano, and I'm like, okay. Well, him uh, and Robbie Benson. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw both of Robbie's parents in the credits, too, so I think that's how they got him. <laughs> Well, I, I think it was that, and it was the, he was like, he's like, I'll do it under what condition? What? I have to wear pants. <laughs> we'll just have you behind a desk the whole movie. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he stood up. <laughs> no, he never moved from, he just sat there behind, like once all he does is, like the one whole scene that's like 10 seconds long, he just looks at a phone. That's all he does. <laughs> that's true. So how long do you think I had him on set? Like an hour and a half? If that, because he looks at the phone, he's going through paperwork, looks at the phone, and then you know, spoiler alert, because of the room, you know, he gets he gets his desk jammed into him by a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. He spits, spits up some marmalade. He, well, what yes. he was he was actually younger than than the other guy who had seen more often, who I just call evil Ed Bagley Jr. because that's right. what he kind of looked like. 
you know, this guy is actually running the whole thing, which I'm like, okay, but we only get like two minutes tops of him. Yeah. And part of that is him staring at a phone. And then the other part is when they off him at the end, because he is the big bad boss guy. There's no big showdown or anything. Although he does get to get some evil dialogue of, I am everywhere. I am. <laughs> so, I'm inevitable. I'm inevitable. And then Ray just goes, no, you're not. <laughs> Bam. And they drive the bike into the desk, which is one of the better finishings I've seen in a like low that. budget sci-fi film i mean they, the one guy doesn't hesitate he just drives his bike right now. everybody yeah. else is on foot one guy on a bike in an office i think that needs to be pointed he's not behind a desk like in a field or something no yeah. no they go into the office and he just he, down the he hall. drove this bike up the stairs <laughs> now if i had been smart he would just in the last second jump out of the way and Ray would have gone through the wall and killed himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was no Lee. Yeah. No, he, yeah. Was, he, was, he was no Lee. Oh. Either he was no Lee or Ray is no Dirty Bob. One of the two. Or both. <laughs> well, yes. during this big, this big fight finish where they're confronting the, the company who wants to turn the lights on in the city. But they're doing it in evil ways. They're doing it in evil ways. They're restoring public, public Look, service. If you, if you know a peaceful way to turn on lights, I'd like to hear it. Because i got to kill four or five people every time I come home. <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly we realize what the secret project is that uh, we'll just say James Earl Jones and Frankie were working on, uh, which are these remote control planes. <laughs> Bottle aircraft drones with, with bombs in them. With bombs in them. Yes, we have our drones, folks. Do you think drone, drones are new? Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> We've got Albert and Frankie controlling them, which and I actually thought was a cool sequence. And I liked that because they kept it a surprise up till that point. So as soon as you see them, you're like, oh, oh I know what's going to happen. Although they did kind of try to do some editing trickery with how they got that case all the way up to the roof of the building got no problem with that <laughs> it's like oh they head to the firewalls you know the the, the stairs or the, the ladder or whatever and they're near the bottom and all of a sudden we cut and we already see the cases at the top of the roof and then james Earl jones is already there as well then frankie's coming up and like oh okay we we're just not even bothering showing them get to the top. We just it was away. there was no need. There was no need. No, I, I like before that hmm. to to build go slightly backwards as they're coming back to town. They in the middle of his like living room essentially was this car. Yeah. And at one point they go. One of the guys goes to Lee goes. We've been talking about this. How did he get the car in here? And he just laughs. He goes, the car was here first. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they go to like, you take, we're going back to the city. We're going to take out the city. They drive the car through the wall of the house. <laughs> and I'm like, it was just very much a, cause there's no, in some movies, there would have been this buildup and it would have ruined it. There would yeah. have been a, you would have seen them getting into the car. There would have been, you ready to go. There would have been some smarmy dial, you know, real cutesy dialogue. And just then a better make a door. Right. <laughs> And it would have been a joke. And then all of a sudden you would have cut outside and they would have come out. You're just outside. You watch the motorcycles go. And all of a sudden, the like, why are we still in the, oh crap. The car came through the wood. <laughs> oh, and we're going. Well, that, that, that's, like a, 
a lot of stuff in this film. There's really not like that buildup like you're normally used to. Stuff just happens. And it, but it, in a way that makes it work as opposed to telegraph, you know, it, it, yeah. it can feel when you do it the other way, like you're telegraphing something so that everybody gets it. And I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things here where there was like, we don't need to do it like that. We can still do some of those things, but we're going to do it kind of judiciously. I'll, I'll admit, I was also surprised too, when, when, as they're going and James Earl Jones grabs the cassette tape, I'm like, all right, I saw a motorhead shirt before it's going to be, you know, stereotypical kind of. Yeah. And it's little Richard. Yeah. Singing rip it up. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> and I love that song. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go kick some butt to, we're going to tear, you know, tear it up, rip it up. Yes. Well, and then we get that thing too, as they're on their way to battle the corporation, how the Clippers and the DAs finally come together. Completely. Yes. Completely. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that, that shot, which Glenn, would you actually, there's some kind of cool cinematography in this film in, in some spots, like that one shot where they're coming together, almost like, you know, a zipper. I mean, there's a few shots, wouldn't you say Glenn, that actually look pretty good for, for camera work for a film like this. Sure. <laughs> Why not? There's some, I, I thought, yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, Despite the script being horribly written, I mean, and it is definitely, it has a very dated feel to it. The, uh, yeah. the, the things that, that filmmakers in the eighties thought, you know, it looks badass. This looks badass. Look at this. Look at this helmet. Look at this helmet we made out of plastic. It looks badass. It's a dinosaur. Raw. <laughs> um, yes. You know, look at the armor. We're going to put these motorcycles. Oh, this is awesome. We're going to have meat tenderizer lances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the film itself is not poorly made. It's just no. poorly written and directed. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, well, I, I mean, even the drone stuff, I mean, that actually, that was kind of cool with the way they did with the remote control planes and that. I mean, you get the one shot where it flies in, you get the comical shot where it, it flies into the door as the bad guys are impressed by that. Away. I mean, they actually got, I mean, you're sitting there going, that wasn't, that wasn't CGI. They flew a plane. <laughs> I had a similar thought, actually. I'm like, wow, they timed that really well because there's no other way to do that. There, there was no other way to do that back then. And then the other two planes, I mean, you get that shot of them flying over the tower and that and actually dive bombing. And coming. I'm like, wow, they're actually kind of doing some cool stuff in this film that, yeah, was was really weak in script and, and directing. And uh, we won't go into the fact that the credit sequence felt like a TV movie. Hmm. <laughs> I, I well, I mean, it was the '80s. The lower budget '80 films they did that, where you got the credits while the action was going on, which just you know. But the way they were placed and everything, it really felt like I'm like TV. Um, which the only thing that the director had done before this was a movie called Android, which had a lot of this cast. Yeah, on it as and then well. and then finally, I don't think he's done nothing but TV since. No, he didn't. He pretty much, I mean, there's some TV movies as well, but he pretty much does, has done TV ever since. And like, I mean, like, not like bad TV either. No. I mean, some, some is. Well, recent, can, he did I mean, recently, he directed Grimm episodes, I think. And Yeah, and that's, well, <laughs> Gr Grimm is well made, but it's not a good show. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he also did, I think, like The Medium, and uh, mm -hmm. I know he did uh, um, Elementary. Yeah. So, or at least yeah. I mean, not like all of it, but some of it, but yeah. 
but I mean, if anybody listening to the show at all, uh, you've got to put into perspective, though, who the hell is in this movie? <laughs> it, it boggled my mind who was actually in this film. I mean, one, we get Don Keith Opper, who his, I think, uncle, brother or whatever is a producer. So he was in Android and in this, and then he would go on to be in Critters. Um, but you got Kane Hodder. You know, we mentioned Kim Cattrall and uh, James Earl Jones. You actually have Dean Devlin in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. I saw him in the credits. I'm like, wait, is that Dean? The you know Dean Devlin, Independence Day, Stargate Dean. And I looked it up on IMDb, and and sure as shit, I'm like, holy crap, that is Dean Devlin. Once I put the name and the face, I'm like. I thought the same thing. I'm like, thank you. I'm glad you checked. Yeah. I'm like, that's gotta be him then. <laughs> and then Kane Hodder was, was an extra in here as well. Yep. Oh, you know, and it just blew my mind when I was seeing the credits of like, wow, no, not all these are like huge name, but I believe they're known names now. And it's just like, here they are in this, this low budget sci-fi film. Gotta start somewhere. You Every know, credit is a credit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 weird too because when you see a lot of these movies from the eighties, there's like maybe one or two people who are actually still working, right, yeah. in the industry. But yeah. I mean, this has tons of people who still are. Yeah, because because yep. yeah, and I mean, a lot of them were bit parts. But yeah, I mean, you got Don Keith Opper, um, mm -hmm. who worked up through what like the mid two thousands. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, obviously Dean Devlin, who's still yeah. working, and uh, John Deal. Um, well, Kim Cattrall. Oh yeah, Don Kim Cattrall. Right although you don't see her in much anymore no true um but yeah but i mean yeah most a lot of these people worked for a long time still yeah they're doing they're producing or doing possibly some more behind the scenes stuff but i mean freaking john stockwell as a director he directed the horror film Teresta, uh yeah. which you know came out during the time when uh people wanted to make it scary to travel to europe <laughs> uh, so in the South America, you don't travel anywhere. Uh, that horror, uh, you know, but he's directed like 20, 20 things. Uh, what else did he direct here? He, uh, Dark Tide, he directed. He, uh, Teresa's like Blue Crush, which is a film that was a little big, Crazy Beautiful. The guy did, uh, yeah, did a kickboxer movie. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you're right, Glenn. A lot of these people who worked on this are still active quite a bit yeah. and it just blew my mind that they're in this little kind of weak written that they're they're me everybody's making the best of it is the feeling i got isn't it doc that that everybody seems to be making the best of this even though i think they're all aware of what they're making <laughs> i that seems a fair assessment certainly it, it's there's there seems to be a certain level of enthusiasm that they have mm-hmm so yeah, I, I'd say that they're, they're they're taking it, trying to do what they can with it, even knowing that, you know, that's what they can add to it is only going to give it so much. Like like we've known, it's not a deep script. Um, there's some moments in it too, or I kind of uh, when you first go into the Clippers uh, hideout or, or headquarters, yeah. whatever you want to call it, they're they're playing some game in the corner. And I'm, all I could think of at that point, I'm like, if this is a movie made today, we'd have like a 15-minute sequence on how that game is played. Yeah. <laughs> Watching an entire game played. And well, it and they add much. They would have worked it. They would have worked it into possibly the challenge two or something, you know. 
Yeah, it would have been something he would have had to do to yeah to pass and yeah. yeah. Well, in all honesty, when he first walked into their their hideout, I'm like, holy crap! This is where they got the idea for the hideout in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> it felt a lot. Yeah, you know the fo- the foot hideout. You know. Oh, oh, okay, that one. You okay. know the foot hideout with all the kids. Yeah, it, it yeah, had yeah, yeah. kind of that same energy where they're just all these young kids are playing games yeah. or you know doing whatever skateboarding or whatever on it. I have to um, bust out the laser disc and there's check. A, something that popped from re rewatching this. I wanted to. I, I, there's part of me that wanted uh, Lee at the end of the movie. Because in the beginning, when he shows up to join the Clippers, they're like, you know, it's like, we're not looking for anyone. I want him to go, so now that most of your friends are dead, you got room in the gang for me now? Because <laughs> I think you got openings, you know, the fact yeah. that, you know, everyone but like Yogi and uh, that other girl is dead. Unless you want to yeah. be a DA, because pretty much Clippers are gone. There's, there's only like three left. Yeah, there weren't many Clippers at the end of the movie. And then there was the, you know, the, this, the wannabe clipper Kim Cattrall, who was there for really, unfortunately, her character served very little purpose. I mean, she she was used to where she had the map for the the sewer sewer, and she kind of helps with the 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 like the, the the lookout the lookout tower taking that over to turn off if, the lights. Yeah, she does some things, but it's it's nothing. No. Again, oh, wait. Nobody in this film gets a whole lot to do if you're not like one of the main three characters. So it's it's yeah. Well, I for one am shocked that an attractive woman in a '80s movie is only used to advance the plot for the male character. That's just, <laughs> that's just stunning to me. And, and don't forget the unneeded but surprising topless scene that she did as well. Did not expect that. So yes. that totally caught me off guard at that point. I went, Oh, okay. Cause the way they, when they started to kiss right before that, they cut so quickly. I'm like, okay, that was a pretty respectful way to handle that. All of a sudden it's like, Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. Well, not I only is... that, but she, she wakes up. She's got a, a, a magazine page stuck to her. I thought it was a scarf until she went to grab it. And then it crinkled. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> That's I'm not just, better. That's worse. I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It, oh, here's one trivia fact about this film. There's only one? The, well, there's okay. two. Oh. <laughs> one of the trivia facts, we all know it was featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. And the other is the script was largely based on, take a guess. Glenn, what do you think? Number one guess of what the script was largely based on, like a classic piece of literature. Well, I mean, I mean, aside from uh, no, I was going to say Lost Boys, I meant uh, we already mentioned it. Hmm. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies a bit, but what else was it based on? Uh, hold on, Doc. What do you think it was largely based on? I already said Judge Dredd comics. Those are classics, sir. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm according, sorry. according to Ibidem. Yeah. Um, the script was largely based on the Three Musketeers. What? Me? Oh, huh? So, so, okay. So, if we go by that, then so which of the Musketeers dies again? Because that would be Whitey. 
Okay. Well, and and Lee is obviously then D'Artagnan. Yeah, sure. Lee would be D'Artagnan. That makes Mick not Porthos. What's um? Damn it. Um, and then Ray's got to be the fourth one, right? Based on that well, logic. No. Well, no. I uh, uh, the fourth one has to be uh, Yogi. Right. I I would think Yogi is. So Yogi Yogi is probably. What Athos? Yeah, and Mick is Aramis. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Sure. Because <laughs> then that would make Whitey Porthos. Yes. But Porthos yeah. doesn't die. No, Porthos is who does die. Somebody dies, doesn't that? It's been a while since I've actually watched slash read the Three Musketeers. Apparently, <laughs> I've eaten the candy bars more recently, but that's not quite the same. Well, and the, yeah, and the last Three Musketeers that was made was. That, that I remember watching was uh, with the. Uh, yeah, I watched that one. The Young yeah. Guns guys, or whatever it was. <laughs> the young guns. Oh, no, Kiefer no. Sutherland. Yeah. Gene. Uh, well, there was the one after that. Yeah, there was one after that, but I can't remember anything about that one. one. Like two, three years ago, too, that I didn't go see, but I'm sure Mark did. Uh, yeah, I think I saw. Wasn't there one about a hot air balloon at the end or something? Yeah, like that? I remember one. you talking about it. That's the musket. Well, that was just called the Musketeer, which oh. I think was supposed to be. Was that the steampunk one? Yeah, that was okay. the steampunk one. Um, I'm sorry, I brought it up. Yeah, I was trying to figure out which. I, I I'm horrible at literature. I hardly read, so I don't know which musketeer died as well. But it's been a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, so would that then make um, uh, Cardinal Richelieu? Then would Catral be Milady de Winter? Maybe because yeah, I Aaron, think that. Well, yeah, so probably Canyon is obviously uh, uh, Roquefort. Yeah, and then like evil Ed Begley Jr. would be Cardinal. Richelieu, then, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah something the like guy that. who gets blown up in the by the mm -hmm. airplanes. Yeah, and, and therefore, uh, uh, the guy who's behind the desk would would be king. Would would be the king. Yeah, he already called him. Um, yeah, it's I, I'm. I need to rewatch or reread. Yeah, I, I so would who's need Albert. Then, how does Albert fit into that? Not that Albert. Has, Albert is the. Uh, that he's the one servant who actually is better than <laughs> better, be, better at a bunch of stuff than everyone else. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm horrible. Don't even ask. I I only know the movies, uh, which I thought were really good. Like Man in the Iron Mask, I thought was really good. So you know they've done that like four or five times already, haven't they? <laughs> they they have, oh, but the most are killing movies. Sorry, the, the one with uh, uh, John Malkovich. So oh, oh, oh. Who, was, who was the most miscast? I love him. He was great in the role. Don't get me wrong, but he was completely miscast as one of the Musketeers because you have like Richard Depardieu, uh, Gerald Depardieu. Gerald Depardieu, excuse me. You had like you know, yes. I think a couple you know British actors. I mean, you had uh, Leonardo DiCaprio playing the the the, the king, which he mm -hmm. did well in, you know. But I mean, the other Musketeers were like you know European actors, and then you had John Malkovich in there, who at least he didn't try to do any accent. But <laughs> that movie yeah. was. One of these things is not, not like the other. other. <laughs> One of these things is kind of the same. Although I will say that the Man in the Iron Mask and the Three Musketeers with the Young Guns 
did kind of fit together. So, uh, but that's, I digress. So yeah, supposedly this film is the three musketeers. Uh, I could, sure. And I guess you could, I mean, as much as barbed wire is Casablanca. I'll, so, I'll have to go back and read the three musketeers and look for a, you know, a duel in a museum. <laughs> there you go. Uh, on motorbikes. <laughs> just kidding they didn't have those back then i know uh they were just bicycles they just ran, ran around on bicycles ring 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 <laughs> and in that i think we're gonna end tonight <laughs> of city limits um gentlemen we'll go down uh real quick uh i'm gonna ask you see if is there something about the film we probably have given this film more talk time than anybody ever probably has but glenn is there anything we t didn't touch on you maybe wanted to talk about Not really. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, we bashed it a lot, but I mean, like I said, I watched this movie a lot when I was younger. Um, it it is what it is, and I it's it's hard for it was hard for me to rewatch it because of having seen it several times on MST3K. Right. So that all all that's going through my head most of the time is stuff from that. Mm -hmm. So you know the song about Kim Cattrall and. When Robbie Benson dies, and like, if you could taste Robbie Benson, that is celebrity preserves. No, yeah, it's uh, like when you hear the the normal version of a song, and all you can hear is the Weird Al parody version yeah. of it. Yeah, that that happens to me constantly. Go figure. Yep. Um, <laughs> Doc, is there anything at all about the movie that we didn't touch on? You maybe wanted to bring up. Uh, have, having watched this, I was actually moderately surprised that this has not uh, been restored for Blu-ray by one of the more relatively minor, you know, labels that put a lot of the stuff out that I end up buying. To be honest, this this seems like it would be a perfect thing for something like that. So yeah, I'm surprised Arrow hasn't tackled Arrow, it. Severin, maybe, or uh, mm -hmm. what's the other one I buy a lot of. Uh, there's uh, a big stack of them over there. What's that? <laughs> um, vinegar syndrome. Vinegar syndrome. Yes. Thank this you. This would definitely be a vinegar syndrome. I'm surprised. Yeah. They haven't it's a little, it's a little too lowbrow for Kino Lorbor, but I could see vinegar yeah. syndrome or Severn picking this up and, and running with it. Definitely. Maybe well, because not, of the name. It's not, it's in not it. evil enough for a Diabolique or anything like that. No. Yeah. But I mean, cause the names of it alone, you would think they would play off that. Yes. You know, because you you could sell it on that. I'm, I'm I'm assuming it's oh Little Richard gosh. blocking its release. Whoa. Oh my gosh! This is the this is the prequel to Tank Girl. What? What? That's what no. I'm that's in my head. That's what this is. Okay. Because you've got the plague hey. and you know whatever happened to screw up the world, and then you've got evil water and power. The be the beginnings of water and power. This is how they started. They're like they started off just like we're gonna turn the lights back on. They're like let's just kill people instead. That's what this is. Holy crap, you're right. You could put this. <laughs> and tank, 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 tank Girl is the daughter of uh, Wickings and Lee. There you go. Holy crap. Glenn, you copyright just, spoiler room. I just cracked it open. You Boom. just cracked it open. Just provided mega value for this film. You just, you just gave this film a whole nother level of value to it that you could write it as a prequel to take wow i can see it now too the costuming and everything the, the now i kind of want to go through you know like old interviews and see if he goes yeah i watched this 80s film at one point it triggered me to do this tank girl gimmick <laughs> 
I'm not sure, but I think you're onto something, Glenn. If you ever write the, there you go. You could write the comic for it. Just find yourself an inker. Uh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> all right. Here we go. I need another project, apparently. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so, yeah, folks, um, I, I don't, I think we've covered it enough tonight, but I, I will say that we did run on it kind of hard, but this actually, for lack of a better term, is a just a quaint little 80s sci-fi film. I mean, yeah. I thought it was fun. You, it, you, de you definitely have to look through it, look at it through the through the eyes of you know mid 1980s film. Yeah, you yeah, can't view it from a, a modern standard because then you're like, well, this is okay. It, as as far as especially mid 80s sci-fi goes. This thing never tries to get. I mean, you, we we do have some of the darker scenes in here, but overall, it doesn't seem to ever get too heavy. Yeah, it, it doesn't get too preachy. It, it's just there. They it really felt like they were having fun, with, just having fun making this this little film, which doesn't have many set pieces. So it is it is a smaller film, you know. Um, and yeah, it's. It is what it is, but while the script is weak and the direction is bad, the performances and characters and everybody involved, as well as everything else with the film, it's fun. <laughs> this is this is this is not a painful bad film, I don't think. Uh, Glenn, would you say this is not, uh, especially of eighties, mid eighties sci-fi? This is not one of the painful bad ones. No, and and and. I think part of that is because, like a lot of the films from the '80s, it's not the long either. It's like an no. hour, and I mean, if you you know, like hour twenty one minutes. So, yeah. and when you do what I do and you watch at one point four speed, that's like nothing. <laughs> it makes all these films better. I, I I so love the fact that I can just hit the D key on my keyboard and make movies go quick. There you go. <laughs> And and Doc, how about you? Would you say this is not a a painful bad mid eighties sci fi film? No, like I said, it, it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I it, and as I kind of half referenced before with you know if they made it now, this would be like a two and a half hour movie now, probably. Yeah, and I'm not saying that to go well. Things were better then, or things are better now. It's just it's, it's storytelling has changed so so much in the last thirty something. Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. I just. Oh, thank I just, you. Thank you very much, Doc. No, it just suddenly dawned on me. This movie came out when I was ten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. I just so, felt my arteries harden. Thank just, you very much. Just the way the storytelling has changed. It, it and like Glenn said, if you look at it from it, it's 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 a relatively lighthearted, mostly fun, just kind of relax and enjoy it for what it is rather than for what it is not. I think it's a very fun film. I, I had a good time watching it. If you're if you want something more in depth, then it's going to dig into how this whole, you know, post-apocalyptic world works. This is not the movie for you then. But yeah, no. if you want something relatively light and fun, this is perfect. This is a this is a fine way to spend a Sunday evening watching this. Yeah, agreed. I mean, this don't take it. It's not serious eighty sci-fi, which mm. it didn't. It doesn't take itself that serious either. At least the feeling I got with it either. It's no. just it. They're telling this basic story. They're having fun. They got some money to, you know, some scratch to make this film. They were able to get some fairly large names at the time uh, in the film. And yep. 
yeah, you can tell that there is talent in this movie that makes it probably more entertaining than it has any right to be if yeah. you think about yeah. it. That's probably a fair way to put yeah. it, certainly, yeah. You, you it could have, in, in other hands, this would have been much less watchable, very clearly, yes. With different cast and different, yeah, crew, yeah. It, it, it definitely could have been just one of those really painful 80s, mid-80s sci-fi, like just roll your eyes, but... Yeah, I recommend it. I think we all all would recommend it. If you're looking for a kind of fun 80s sci-fi film, uh, this one is it. Watch it, not necessarily the MSTK3 version, because I think it, it stands on its own. No, it, it's not a great story or a deep story, but it's a fun, it's a fun story. Watch the MST3K version. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah, okay, well, there you go. I'm, there, are, there are a lot of movies. There's two uh, easy ways to define MST3K movies. Movies you can watch without the MST3K and movies that are really not possible to watch without them making fun of it as you want. This is, I think, the former. I think you can watch this without that and still have a good time. Yeah. Yes. So, so watch it and then watch it again with the commentary. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. Wow, we got watch a plan. It, watch it first without the MSTK3 and then watch <laughs> the MSTK, you know, 3K, K3, whatever. Uh, I don't personally care for the show anymore, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> but now I think we'll wrap it up here. This is where uh, my guests, as always, we give them a license to shill. So go ahead, Glenn. Where can they find you at, sir? They leave nowhere, but um, I'm finally back to doing the Adventure Party podcast, or my tabletop gaming podcast I do with uh, our good friend Brad Ludwig. Um, I am trying to, hopefully on my vacation, get back into some of the game stuff I'm doing, where I've been working on the prequel sequel to my RPG Mist Runner, which is Demon Eater, where I don't get too sidetracked and work on other stuff, which I probably will. But you can also find me, the best way to keep, stay in touch with me is I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, just look for at guy in a bunker. There you go. And uh, Doc, where can they find you at? Well, physically, I'll, I'll be at best place in March, presumably. I'm assuming. That's go. when Shakespeare Ross starts up again. It's the 4th through the 6th, starting off season 5. Nice. Season 5 of Shakespeare Raw. We're starting it with Hamlet. So if you want to go see people pretending to be a whiny teenager, that would be the place to do it. Uh, we're on the Facebooks as Boozy Bard Productions. We're on the YouTubes a little bit as Boozy Bart Productions. We had a, a successful Christmas Carol run. So thank you to anybody who came out for any of those five shows. We raised over $2,000 for charity, and I'm very proud of all of you. Awesome. I didn't do anything. I was just there for those shows. But <laughs> all the ones that brought the money, thank you. <laughs> we just did awesome. silly stuff for you. Awesome. So keep an eye out for that, folks. I thank you. I hope you've enjoyed our lively discussion of this film. Uh, I want to thank my uh, fine friends here for joining us tonight to talk about it. And now I think we'll just say good night, gentlemen. Night, gentlemen. Night, gentlemen. Now do it as James Earl Jones. This is CNN. Good night, gentlemen. This, this is a spoiler room. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups 
at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the spoiler room the conversation is fresh but we do spoil the movies. 